Welcome back to the Meaningful Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Denise, where we engage in meaningful conversations that stimulates the mind. Welcome back, guys. Um, Like I promised you last week, we're going to have a part two follow-up on being bullied in the workplace. Last week, I think we discussed a lot of how to point out when you're being bullied, um, the different kind of bullies in the workplace, who it mostly affects, the percentage of people, um, and what certain workplace have incorporated in their policy to help eliminate um, such bad behavior. Well, on this episode, part two, we'll de- have a chance to dive more into this and speak to people that have actually been bullied in the workplace and what was their course of action, what was some of the first steps that they took to resolve the issue so that they could create a more healthier and harmonious workplace enabled for them to grow in professionally and feel comfortable. So we all get to hear people um, exactly what have happened to them and how they feel as if what do they feel like the bully was able to accomplish, what eventually happened to them, and how to handle yourself in a professional way, as are being as professional as you possibly can while being targeted by someone in your workplace. Um, I pulled this um, interview from a YouTube page, um, Bullying in the Workplace Institute, and it's a story about a guy named Chris and his experience being bullied in the workplace and how it developed. And, and so I had to miss a few days of work. And in between that time period, um, my I had a director before me who taught me everything I know. Um, we're going to call her Rosemary. And um, <laughs> Rosemary taught me everything I knew. And, and she was just a phenomenal person, is a phenomenal person. I'm still in contact with her. What but, kind of work, Chris? What kind of work? Well, we work in higher education. I work for a college. Okay. And so on the staff side or the faculty side? On the um, administrative side, yeah. Okay. Side. All right. I was a recruiter for a um, for a particular program that was inside the college uh, that helped students, you know, prepare better for college and to graduate on time because normally students take longer than four years to graduate with a bachelor's degree and longer than two years to graduate with an associate's degree. In fact, it's like four years for an associate's degree and six years for a bachelor's degree nowadays. And that's no fault of their own. You know, they have some barriers that they have to overcome in order to do that. And I worked for a program that uh, tried to eliminate some of those barriers so they can graduate. Now, Rosemary kind of, uh, I guess, saw something in the wind and she was on her way out. And uh, a executive director was hired above her. Um, so I guess she and her boss were having some issues that maybe I wasn't aware of. I don't know. Um, uh, in their communication, um, but uh, Ellie was hired as the new executive director. So Rosemary was on her way out, and um, I guess she was having to train the new executive director, but that was very short-lived. And I remember Ellie used to come around when she first started, and she used to say to us, like, you should want my job. You should want my job. We're like, I love my job. Like, uh-huh. want your job. <laughs> like, I don't want your job. You should want your job. So it was it, that kind of started it off from the beginning. But um, I came back from um, having a dislocation one time, 
I came back to work and she was there and she said to me, she was like, oh, when is this arm thing going to be okay? And immediately I saw red flags like trigger in my head. I was like, arm thing. I was like, I responded to her like, this is not an arm thing. It's a shoulder thing. And I don't know when it's going to be okay. It's about my body, just like it would be about your body if something happened to you. And um, I think that was like the trigger of everything because she's from a, she's from a Caribbean island and I had visited that island and I told her that. Um, I visited that island and I finished everything that I needed to do on that island in two days. And then I went to Puerto Rico and celebrated my birthday. (laughs) 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 And it was funny because my coworkers, they they overheard the conversation and they were like, oh, it could have been taken a different way. And I didn't mean anything by it. So, but um, to continue forward, she used to, uh, I guess, try and divide and conquer, so to speak. That's what I call it. She used to say to my coworkers, like um, my coworker Lila and my coworker David, she used to tell them, she said, Lila, she sees her as the provost and she sees David as a VP. Well, she's she, got everyone promoted. Right, wow. right. And guess what she saw me as? She saw me as, I don't know, vice uh, chancellor. His, historical events. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. And I was like, I, I felt really, really horrible. She, I was like, you know what? I First of all, I was on the committee to hire David and Lila. Um, I brought them on board because I needed help. I was the only recruiter at the program and doing very successfully for the past two or three years before they were even on board. So everything was going great. Um, but I, I kind of felt some type of way by that response by her. But uh-huh. I, I kind of just observed her after that. I started documenting everything. And I got to a point to where I said that um, she's creating a hostile work environment. She's trying to create an environment where we are, like, fighting each other. Right. It's called strict competition. She's pitting you one against the other. Where did you – let me me ask you, Chris. Where did you keep your documentation? I put them on my calendar in Outlook, actually. (laughs) Did uh, you do it for your personal stuff at home so you had copies? Oh, yeah, actually, all the emails. So everything I do, I do an email trail, too. So if we Very ever good. Meet together, I would send an email to her. I would say, you know, just to follow up on the, what we said in the, in, in the meeting, blah, 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 blah. And I would bullet point it and, and send her an email. And so that I have a paper trail. So no one can say, I said this, or you said that, or you did this. It's all in a paper trail. So you can't okay, really say Okay, two points, two points. Excellent to do the, um, that's what Comey said he did, if you remember, um, to instantly memorialize an event, a meeting. This is right. what I heard you say, and this is what we agreed to do. Yes. Uh, kind exactly. of a thing. But then the second part, did you then send that to a personal email so have a record off of the company's email server? Absolutely. I sent it to my, all of it went to my personal email. Beautiful. This, I want targets to hear this. Never leave all this beautiful data on their servers. Okay. But actually, I still have access to their email. To my, my email when I was working there, I still have access to it. So even if I didn't, I could have went back now and, and forwarded yes. everything to my personal email. <laughs> they must not have a good IT person to banish you. But, oh, well, but that's go on. Good God. Yeah, so it got so bad that um, I reached out to the uh, director of HR, Mina, and I I reached out to her and I said, you know, I feel like I need to file a grievance because this is getting ridiculous. And I told her that. You know, I bullet pointed it down. I said, there's some favoritism going on here. And exactly what I told you about her naming um, 
David, the uh, uh, I guess the dean of uh, Hobson's, or that was our communication systems, or Lila, like a VP or the provost, I was like, wait a minute, like where do I fall? It's like I fall all the way down at the end. And she used to ask questions about to my coworkers about what the pecking order was because they were specialists and I was a coordinator. So they're ranking higher than me. So it's almost like this power dynamic that she always kept going on and on and on to try and have a rift between us all the time. And so I filed a grievance with HR. And um, I met with the, uh, after I filed the grievance, I met with the, um, what do you call it? Investigator? Not the investigator, but they, they do investigate, but it's... Um, oh, employee relations? Not employee relations, because that was in HR. This is like the people who are like the lawyers for the organization oh. who investigated just to, well, basically what they were doing to investigate it was to see if it violated any of the protected classes. That's basically all the questions that they asked me. They, That's they right. Me, let's, they, state, you know, let's slow down and state that for all the targets listening. Okay. Basically, uh, you are a black man talking to a bot complaining about a woman boss. What's her race? She is black as well. She's yeah, but race. she's a woman. So you could say, based on uh, gender and sex, that you were treated in a discriminatory manner. So it's discrimination that, though, is the flip of favoritism. So but I can say that, but I would have had to prove it. Oh, like, I, there know, I know. Well, it's an incredibly high standard. Yeah, and, and it is. Yeah. And it, it, it never will happen because I can't think of any instance where, you know, she called me the N-word or, or made me feel differently because of the color of my skin or because I was a male. And, and in fact, I'm an openly gay male at work. So it's like, it's threefold. <laughs> so yes, and it is erroneous. Like yeah. the public, the, it's erroneous to call those protections. People, uh, yes, in order to file a complaint, you must be a member of protected status group. And like you said, you had three group memberships to claim. <laughs> However, the word on the street is these are protections. No, they're not people. They maybe become the grounds for you to file a complaint. But um, And I haven't heard Chris's story, so I'm going to predict there's going to be retaliation for filing the complaint. He's going to go ahead and tell and us. That's exactly and you where can I'm tell going. us if I'm wrong, but no, I am, I've done this so long, I am cocksure that it is absolutely going to happen. No, it, it has definitely happened. But it, hold, it, it, hold it up. While you're talking to the legal people, these are very narrowly legally defined statutes in state and federal law, which means it's virtually impossible to prove that, yeah. the, that the differential treatment, the disparate treatment, the mistreatment, the disrespect that Ellie had for Chris is truly based on race, gender, uh, or any protected status. I just wanted to, to, I'm attacking the word protected. I think it, it misleads people, don't you? I do. And you know what it is? It's, it's, it's also, she knew it. She was very aware of it. And I became aware that she had probably done this before. Like, this is nothing new for her. Like, this is something that she had been doing for years. This is how she probably got to where she has been, you know, by treating people this way. So I make no mistake that these people know exactly what they're doing. They're yes. skirting the law, and they know exactly what Good they're doing. Good point. Excellent point. Keep no, going. it's true. So, so there was retaliation. It's after I did that grievance, um, all of a sudden, there were several things that were going on at play. 
um, weeks later. And for example, um, I was called into her office um, because she, I had sent in my timesheets to her. And uh, she called me in her office because she had sent me an email. And her email basically stated that I was stealing time, that my, my timesheets were incorrect. The days that I was off, um, I didn't indicate that on my timesheets. And I said to her, I said, I responded to the email and I responded back and I said, can we meet? Because I would like to see these timesheets. Well, mind you, I already knew what was going on. I had given uh, my coworker, George, a copy of our Excel spreadsheet, which is our timesheet. And I told him, I said, take my information off the top and put yours because we have the same supervisor at this time. And, and, and he, did, he didn't do it. And so when she called, when she sent that email, I knew it immediately. I said, you know what? It's, it's George's uh, timesheet. She's just not paying attention. So that's why I wanted to meet with her so that I could see for myself. So I did meet with her. And she handed me the whole stack of these uh, timesheets, and she had had them for quite a while. And so, like, at least a week. So I thought that she would have, you know, picked up on the fact that they weren't mine. Well, when I saw these timesheets, I told her, I said, you know what, these are not my timesheets. Uh, they're George's. See, his signature is right here on the bottom. He just didn't change the name at the top. Exactly. And I told her, I said, I gave him a copy of this spreadsheet. You know, I'm not his supervisor. That wasn't my responsibility, but I was being nice. I was being a co-worker. Oh, wait, stop, stop. I, you said a magic word. Nice. Nice is not a positive attribute. The Oxford English Dictionary definition of nice is derived from the Latin root necere which is to be ignorant, to not know. We have been set up, Chris. Yeah. Our mamas told us to be nice, but nice is foolish. Isn't yeah. that an interesting, I know it now. phenomenal twist? I and know targets are almost all nice. Yeah, so anyway, not to comment on what you did. Yes, it was a kind act. But anyway, now yeah. go back to what she's going to do about this. Is she going to try to screw you out of money? No, she, she didn't, um, actually, and I'll get to that in just a minute, because uh, HR did react to it, and I'll get to that in a minute. The okay. HR director, uh, uh, Mina, she did, she, she I'll, I'll get to that after this. Mm -hmm. Well, I had been working for the organization for probably three years at this point, and I never had any complaint from any, from any student or parent, and then all of a sudden, I did have a call from a parent who basically said that she worked for, uh, you know, the same organization and she knows how things work. And she basically wanted me to violate FERPA laws, which I wasn't going to do. And so she got upset with me and she wanted to speak to my supervisor. My supervisor was the executive director, Ellie. I transferred the call to her. After they had talked on the phone, Ellie comes out and she tells me, she goes, you know, that lady, she was really, really upset with you. And that was what I thought was the end of it. Well, uh, about a week later, I got a memo uh, addressed to my personnel file saying that um, this lady has sent a uh, written letter to our central office stating that I was aggressive and rude to her. Hmm. So I had to see this memo go to my personnel file and I was like, Okay, and, and, and you can comment on these memos, and she called my, Ellie called my comment a rebuttal. 
And that kind of triggers things in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, this is not, we're not arguing here. You know, mm-hmm. first of all, I wasn't rude to her. All of our phone calls are recorded. If you wanted to pull it, you could have. Oh, for training purposes, right? Absolutely. Yes, interesting. It's within her power to pull it. She she has that ability. If she wants to pull the phone call, she could have. But she didn't. Wow. She chose to send a memo to my personnel file to write, basically write me up. Exactly. She's starting a campaign there. Exactly. And starting to uh, create patterns of behavior that didn't exist. And it went on. By the way, did you ever say to L.A. the woman asked you to do something illegal? I did. I told her. I said um, she wanted me to violate FERPA laws and give her information about her son. And I asked, was her son there? Was he available? Can I speak to him? To give permission. Exactly. Exactly. Because, mind you, to to be quite honest with you, I'm uncomfortable with giving any student data over the phone. I need them. I always tell them to come in person so I can see you. I can see your ID. And yes. I, can, I can verify that this is who I'm talking to. Good for you. And so that's what I told her. I said, I normally don't get any information over the phone. I require that they come in if they're asking information. And so um, I, we had this conversation. Now, mind you, this was a huge surprise what happens next. It's time for performance evaluation. Okay, guys, now it's time to take a break from our regular segment and introduce the meaningful talk moment of the week. We'll be right back with our interview with Chris. Welcome to our meaningful talk moment of the week. Well, everyone knows that uh, midterm elections are coming up in the states and a new national poll of black women voters reveal a demographic that is highly motivated to vote in the 2022 midterm election with an overwhelming majority citing pocketbook issues like the how the cost of housing and groceries are core concern. Among this well-established key voting bloc, reproductive rights and crime, gun violence also emerge, which is no surprise. It's been um, an overwhelming um, incidence of gun violence in the states and threatening of people's civil rights and especially women and what they do with their bodies. So I am not surprised that this will come up in the midterm election. The Higher Heights survey found a a issue that could drive black women to the polls next month. A majority, 76% of black women said they were extremely worried about inflation and rising costs of everyday essentials, namely rent and housing, groceries, gas, and affordable health care. Um, and I think this just doesn't even go, um, even though we're concentrating now on black women, it goes across the board, across the country. Um, you know, food prices as skyrocketed, you know, um, what you usually could get for $100 now, you know, maybe you could get like a, a little bag um, and that would be the $100 right there. And it's very worrisome for people of minority, um, people of lower income, and especially um, parents that have to feed their children um, and give them the right amount of nutrition that they need on a daily basis in order for them to grow. Um, so this is of no surprise to me, and I'm sure many of you guys around the country as well, it's not a surprise. Um, you know, hopefully um, something can be done to help out these major minority groups and these um, people that need help. Similar viewpoints have chopped up in other national survey, among them the annual Black Women 
roundtable and Essen Power of Sisters Vote poll um, conduct saying that this is the main concern um, with women in this particular category. Um, and they're worried about being more discriminated against and um, the systematic racism that's going on in the states. Um, so that is one of the major um, concern. And we should see um, a high number of black women turnout voters for this midterm election. And hopefully um, things will turn around and there will be some new laws and rules put in place um, to help them out in their issues as well as other um, minorities as well. Um, thank you once again. And this has been the meaningful moment of the week. Back to our interview with Chris and being bullied in the workplace, part two. In my performance evaluation, she put, I need improvement in areas of communication, specifically when I'm talking to parents and students. Because the parent <laughs> sent a letter to our central office uh, informing them that I was rude and aggressive. That one letter. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, how long, had she been, how long had she been your supervisor when she did uh, the Maybe a few months. Eval. It was probably about three, four months. So nine months was under Rosemary. Yes, more than nine months was under Rosemary. Uh, so how do we get Rosemary. Rosemary to do the eval versus Rosemary, Rosemary was already gone. Remember, she had already uh -huh. been packing up and leaving. And I don't know if she got wind of who this lady was or what the situation. I don't know what the complete situation. Got it. Was. I got it. Rosemary um, was out of the picture. She was gone. She became the director of another college. The point is, this needs to be waited. Maybe a month and a half, two months, two twelfths of a year, a sixth of a year, is what this is based on, too. But anyway. Right. Um, and so, therefore, you could default to the year prior what Rosemary thought of you, which was succeed which in was everything. Exactly. It was great. But but that's not what happened. I, I understand. I'm just right. showing people how irrational this is. And abusing and exploiting the performance appraisal system is a classic trick of these kinds of bullies. Go Absolutely. Go Absolutely. So, what she did know... Was, and what I'm, I'm speaking about Ellie, what she didn't know was that I'm a fact checker. So I reached out to our central office and I inquired with the university director and I said, you know, this is what's happening. I sent her a copy of my performance evaluation. I sent her a copy of the memo. And I said, um, did this lady send a letter? And if so, I'd like to see it. And I also reached out to HR and I said, I would like to see this letter. So the university director responded, she said that, um, and there is no letter that was sent here to the central office. And in fact, if anyone has a complaint about any of the workers, we defer them to the HR department of that campus. So we don't even have a point of contact that would even take these type of calls or these type of letters. So we always defer things like that back to the campus, to HR, so the HR director can, can deal with those type of things. So Mina yes. could look through and say no letter? So I, I contacted, well, Mina was already involved in it because I had asked her for the letter first. And this, mind you, this is two years later. This is after it had been in my performance evaluation. This conversation that I'm having with the university director was two years later. I'm still oh. asking to see this letter. Okay, go ahead. And mind you, her response was that, I don't know why you are um, inquiring about this letter. Your your performance evaluation was satisfactory. And yeah. I said, that's not the point. The point is, is that there's a lie here. Accusation <laughs> has been made. Let's right. do it. You're going to assassinate my character. Give me the evidence. Exactly. 
Go ahead. You're way too rational, which is what which targets are, by the way. And this is an irrational lying scheming uh, phenomenon. But go ahead. So there was no letter, but there was an email. And this email was sent to me uh, from the HR director, and it and it had no who it was. It had uh, no time and date and who it was sent to. So all of that was deleted off the email. And I'm reading the email from this parent. I don't know if it's from her or not. But nothing addressed, nothing said. Aggressive she said I was rude, but she never said what I said that or what I did that. If she had said in the letter that uh, I tried to ask him things that he was uh, not giving me information to violate purple laws, then that would have been a trigger for me and to know that this lady actually did write this letter. Anyone could have written an email saying that he was rude and aggressive, but there was no, there was no backing. There was no, like, it was just, it's right. just your word against mine, like, saying I'm rude and aggressive. But the point is, is that the uh, Ellie could have pulled the phone call. If she really wanted to write me up for something and do it as a training moment, she could have pulled the phone call and she could have heard it for herself. She chose not to do that. That's what made me upset because I was like, now you're not only assassinating my character, but... You're, you're just making up lies. You're generating these type of things to create this type of behavior that doesn't even exist at right. all. Correct. So we have heard the story of Chris, and I know some of you guys may be appalled, but I can tell you that this is so common in the workplace, especially um, when you have a manager that doesn't have any moral values and that does not um, carry or embody the moral values off the organization and as you go and you do more investigation and you dig higher up like he did and he went to another division and found out that you know there was never any letter there was nothing going on because this manager obviously wanted to him to live on need fear you know so that's that's how she was able to have power over him by making him feel nervous and anxious that you know if something happened you know this could, you know, he could possibly lose his job and so on and so forth. Like he had said before, he thought that was the end um, when she brought up the letter and the complaint from the parents. Um, but it wasn't because, you know, it's it's somehow it's better for her to keep him there in the organization, feeling scared, feeling uncomfortable, feeling like, you know, at any given time that he could lose his job. And this is something that's very common. Um, among management um, when they want to intimidate their subordinates. It's it's a disgraceful feeling. It's a feeling of, you know, um, does this person have this control over you and you know that they're lying and then you have to continuously prove that they're lying um, and you go through so many stumbling blocks because no one wants to believe initially that someone that's put in this position could stoop so low, but they do. And they stoop lower than that. And it's a disgusting cycle that goes on in the workplace. And yes, I do believe it's true. All these classes that they put you in, like, you know, you're eligible for it because you're black or because you're a woman, it really doesn't mean anything. It's just um, to initiate a filing. But it happens to every one of us, whether we black, white, Spanish, in between, it doesn't even matter. You know, it, this nasty behavior from people that is put to be in charge do happen in the workplace. And yes, you have to put on, you have to be very strong and you have to fight. And you have to make sure that a key thing that I want you guys to take away from this is documentation. When you realize that this bad behavior is going on and somebody's after you and trying to destroy you and your character and who you are as an individual, as a worker, and 
the assets that you bring to that organization, you must start to document. Document every single moment what they say. Do not let it slide. Yes, you must continue to be cordial and respectful, but do not ever think that you could trust this person. And it's, it's sad to say, but it's the truth. Because they, at times, could be rootless, and they do play with your emotions. You know, one day they're very good with you, you feel like everything has been pushed aside. And the next minute they come back with something worse. So you have to always be on guard. You have to make sure at every single second, even when you're questioning something that they tell you to do, that's when you must, must, without a doubt, document every single step of the way so that you could protect yourself. And I would say to you, you know, protect yourself. And if you don't feel as if you could keep on going in such a environment, which is a very toxic environment, be strategic. Just don't walk away, walk out the door right away. But plan and look and search for something that would fit you, that you think is better for you, and that you think will benefit you in your life and push you forward. Um, so that would be my advice to you because things of that like that has happened to me before as well. Um, thank you guys so much for engaging with me. I hope that these two series could help you very much in what you're going through in your workplace and what you have went through in the past and how to navigate it better in the future. Um, I'm hoping to connect with you guys again in another episode of the Meaningful Talk podcast. Till then, take care of yourself and be at peace. Thank you very much. The Meaningful Talk podcast drop every Wednesday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or via our YouTube channel, Meaningful Talk.